What's up, everybody? Uh, my name's Justin Allen. This is Walter Allen, and today we got Toby Hughes at the Hughes Ranch here. Um, he's going to score a deer of mine. He's going to break it down and kind of tell you every bit of the measurements, how he, how he does it with the circumferences, um, and then we'll talk some deer and uh, see where we go from there. How you doing, Toby? Pretty good. Pretty good. The uh, So if I was going to bring this deer to you to score, uh, where would you start with it? taping it off and getting the base lines so lined out basically you would take your tape and you would run on the beams where you would think the antlers would start correct right i would want to mark them as if they weren't there all right so he's gonna score this deer and we'll walk through it uh i know there's a lot of people that know how to score deer but there's also some people out there that don't understand it fully yeah anything you want to know i'm game for it basically um I'm not a fan of putting pencil marks on antlers. I just don't do it. And I guess it doesn't matter. I've seen too many pencil marks on antlers. So you put the tape there and then you write on And then you, you just use that to write on it. Right. And then that gets your measurement. And that's just a personal preference. That's kind of what I've done from the start. And I don't think I've ever put a pencil line on an antler. So that. Take it or leave it. It's just one thing I do. Well, I've only had two actual scores score deer of mine. You are one of them. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, 2019 at the rendezvous. Whitetail rendezvous. Yeah. You scored that wide 10. I shot in a high out there. How long you had that tape ball going? Since that day in 2019 at the rendezvous. I didn't have a trash can and we just wadded the tape up from scoring. I think we did almost 40 deer that weekend and I just kept wadding them up and it was about golf ball size from there and so the core of that is the whitetail rendezvous from Marietta yeah so that was 2019 I've been scoring since 2017 so how many deer do you think you've scored since you started that tape ball well 25% don't make it I don't keep track of the non-qualifiers mm. but they're Currently is seventeen hundred and ninety-two deer on that table. <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh, you mole is it? <laughs> seventeen hundred ninety-two deer in four years in the record book. Five years in in the record book. So it was more than that. Yeah, twenty-five percent don't make it. Wow. Yeah. So, so as we're doing this, in order to make it into the record book for Buckmaster, it has to score one forty correct without the inside spread. That is with a gun or a deadhead. Gotcha. And, and what about archery equipment? Equivalent to Pope and Young is 125-inch. You take the spread out on the average 125-inch deer, 105 inches. Oh, okay. Exactly. So if it's shot with archery, it has to be 105 without the spread. Yes. I got you. Yeah. So if you add the spread, average, a deer's ear span average is 16 to 17 inches. Mm -hmm. So you add that, you're looking at 120, 125 inch deer. Gotcha. On average. And there's no no deductions. It's all gross antler, correct? If it's over one inch, it counts. Everything counts. We don't do deductions. Um, difference in a BTR score includes the the spread, but we and that's both numbers are official. Um. But we rank deer and determine the entry requirements without spread. Gotcha. So that's kind of important. 
Um, but when we say BTR score, that's a true gross, no deductions, no deductions. Everything count, and yet, and you have no drying period. No, we can score it on the day you kill it. Yeah, on the tailgate. Tip to tip spread has no reference, does it? Just an FYI, it's a point of identification. Over the greatest spread, tip to tip, is on the score sheet, but we do not use that towards the score. So, some of the other scoring systems they have a rule that can't be the inside spread can't be wider than the main beam length right or it they have a limitation the, yeah but and that would be Boone and Crockett they have uh, the inside spread cannot exceed the length of any one main beam right we don't have that some I think out of all the number of deer I've scored over 2,000 I had like three that had an ongoing inside spread and there is no hook there is no inside to that spread it's just we can use tip to tip so if you if got, that's the widest part yes if you've got 25 inch main beam here and here and it's 30 inches across the tip to tip i can use that gotcha where boone and crockett would limit to 25 inch the length of that main beam okay i see i see big difference yeah it's just self-imposed Self-imposed deductions. I don't understand that, but yeah, that's their club. They can make their own rules. Sure, any club can. And how, how long has Buckmaster's scoring been around now? Nineteen ninety-four, five. Oh, that's a lot longer than I thought it was. So, who, who started the Buckmaster scoring? It was a system in Canada by Russell Thornberry. He uh, started it from there, and just giving full credit for what the deer grew. Most deer, I mean, what you're used to hearing is typical and non-typical. Most deer generally fall somewhere in between that bracket. Correct. And our system, they devised this system up in Canada uh, by Russell, and uh, they broke it into four categories. Based on the amount of abnormal points, it gives a mathematical equation in a number, and that number fits into one of four categories. And so we let the math determine whether it's typical or non-typical. It's exactly how non-typical is it based on the math. It takes the kind of human equation out. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, it's not just abnormal points automatically make it a, a non-typical. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Like I said, most deer fall somewhere in between the typical and non-typical. Typical is a very confusing word in the deer scoring world. Sure. Because most deer, when they say typical, Boone and Crockett means perfect or near perfect. Typical is a category for us mm-hmm. with 1.1 to 5.5% abnormality. So, and then there's five, there's basically five meanings to the word typical when it comes to deer scoring. Typical time, typical placement, typical... I mean, it gets confusing. I almost wish we would change that category name to semi-perfect. Right. It'd make more sense. Yeah. Yeah, so this deer, basically mainframe 10, but has a split brow, it's obviously would still be in your typical category. Right. Gotcha. But if that has a little kicker and it's less than 1%, and it's got even number of typical times both sides, the only time symmetry comes into play in Buckmasters, is category, not score. Everything still counts. Right. 
but you can't have a four by five typical tines and be in the perfect and be out of perfect category. Right. Gotcha. But you can have a four by four plus one inch kicker, but as long as that kicker is less than one percent, it can stay in the perfect category. Okay. All right. Gotcha. So how many categories does Buckmasters have? Four. Four. And they are perfect. Perfect. Which is even number of typical tines at less than one percent. There is typical. Uh, typical category, that's the confusing part. When we say Buckmaster's new world record typical, we're not talking about Boone and Crockett typical. We're talking about a category of 1.1 to 5.5% abnormality is allowed to have some junk. Right, but only up to that percentage. Right. Yeah. Then above that, next step is semi-irregular, which is 5.6 to 10.0%. And then... Anything over 10.1 or greater goes into the irregular category. Gotcha. Which is same as like the non-typical. Right. Right. Like I said, most deer we score fall somewhere in between those two. Okay. Cool. Cool. Which category do you think you score the most of? Semi-irregular. Probably semi-irregular and in, in typical because they, they've all got some, after a deer gets so big, they're all going to throw some sort of junk. Yeah. Like I said, a perfect deer is so rare to get so big and then maintain that without throwing some junk. Right. Which all counts towards a score. I don't mean that in a derogatory way when I say junk. They all count abnormal points, I should say. But, uh, yeah, generally it's typical and semi-irregular. Cool, cool. And there's there's statement and world records in it all categories. And on top of that, we are weapon specific. Mm. So it seems like every day we're throwing out a new state record. Well, it depends on the weapons, depends on the category. So, I mean, we don't, I, I've seen a, a lot of guys will, I ask what weapon they use. They'll say longbow. And then I know from experience, pursue that because to in Buddha Crockett standard, a longbow is a compound bow. Right. But it, for here, it's not. Right. For here, it means that. That's a longbow. No sights, no wheels. Yeah. Um, so we are definitely weapon-specific. Longbow, recurve, compound, crossbow. Gotcha. And then as far as gun-wise, it's rifle, muzzleloader, shot, pistol. Anything is legal where you hunt. Out west, they use uh, 30-06 or whatever. I mean, it depends on the state, but we, our score sheet encompasses, heck, we even got two, two states that allow air rifles. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that. Kentucky and Alabama. Yep. I have seen that. The, uh, what about Spears? The, uh, I asked a DNR officer in West Virginia a few years ago about it because he bought a spear and I was like, well, we found a spear one and, uh, they could not give me an answer if it was legal or not. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah, either. I, I've I've seen uh, I've seen people spear them. I mean, Tim. Well, yeah, Tim Wells spear. Well, I love to watch those. Yeah, and uh, they do a lot of hogs. But yeah, nobody could tell me if you could actually legally do it. I think that that would maybe be on private land, a ranch, your management. I don't know. Yeah, me either. In Ohio, I've never heard of anybody setting out with a Batman case and <laughs> going after it. Well, I would try that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there any kind of a background check or due diligence you have to do to before you can enter them in the record books? 
Not necessarily. Um, there's a uh, signature line on the score sheet. Uh, it's an affidavit of legal means and methods. And the story's on you, not me. All I'm doing is certifying the score. I'm not a game warden. I'm not a detective. If you tell it, I'm going to take it at face value. Right. If I smell a rat, I'll, I'll go another direction. But um, generally, the story's on you. Whether it's a lot of guys um, always get accused of high fence deer and all oh, this yeah. other stuff. I mean, I've played that game a long time. But uh, accusations don't warrant anything with me. It's up to the, if you brought a deer to me, and you signed that paperwork and told me on video, let's say, this is how the story went. I got to take your word for it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I'm sh- I can imagine that maybe somebody would try to pull the whole high fence thing, but yeah. there's not very many high fence deer that I've seen that I can't tell you is a high fence deer. Right. I mean, and, and for you, especially, I would think for all of them that you scored high fence or non-high fence, you would know. For the most part, I I can mess with them, but high fence category, everybody throws that out. Buckmaster's requirement for high fence deer is you want a picture like a ranch in Texas. Mm-hmm. It's got to have 500 acres of uninterrupted natural habitat. The deer cannot be pen raised, bottle fed, or handled in any way. It's got to be born inside there. Inside that. That's what qualifies as a high fence in our book, even the. Uh, even though we have it on the score sheet. Right. There's a lot of Texas ranches out there that are thousands of acres. Sure. Yep. So I could see a, a need for it. Yeah. The uh, Most of the big red stag in New Zealand are all on, on fenced farms too. Really? Yeah. The, uh, the poaching is so bad over there, that's the only way they can prevent it. But it's like thousands of acres, not just, you know, a few hundred. And it's meant to keep people out versus... Yep. yep. Yeah, they're not breeding them and raising them to be big in there. They're just trying to keep people away from poaching them. Yep. Yeah. As far as well, in our categories, when we say a pin deer, that's generally a breeder buck farm. Right. We don't score those. Yeah. It has to be 500 uninterrupted fences, no cross fencing, no gates, no. Yeah, they're not genetically changing the deer. Right. They're, yeah. It's got to be born there. (laughs) Now, what if they, what if, but they can't do anything to change the the way they grow, right? It's, what if it's born there, but yeah, they have planted genetics in that property? Supplemental feeding is not, it's kind of frowned upon. Natural food source, food plots is every, every deer, a soybean field is a food shore, yeah. you know, if you think about it. Well, I was just thinking if I bought 500 acres in Texas and high fenced it and then released bread does in there with giant deer genetics in them, and they popped out these fawns that grew into monster bucks. Mm-hmm. It still counts. Yep, five hundred acres. As yeah. long as you can uh, fall into that criteria. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. I, I I don't normally really score a lot of. There's not a lot of land in pen deer in the state of Ohio that actually qualifies. Right. Yeah. No. For. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. I know there are lots of ranches and stuff in Texas that yeah. are thousands of acres, but I don't know how how many of them would be high fenced to enough to keep deer in they still come in and under the fence in and out all the time well it's like the bucks at tecumani or oh yeah that's what i was talking about yeah yeah there's a lot of a lot of value in that out there i guess i mean i think texas ranches were the 
start of the deer industry as far as breeding mm-hmm. or ship them down there, turn them loose or sell them or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. A huge amount of their tourist revenue is hunters. Yep. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So now that you got the tape laid out on this, then uh, what's your next step? Put more lines on it. This is where I've seen people do it with uh, like business cards or whatever. I use those flexible plastic roller. Yeah. I mean, you you can do it without the tape, but uh, I basically just draw a line on it. I know it's hard to see on the camera as if that tine wasn't there. I'll lay it across either side of the tine. Kind of makes sense with the flexible ruler because then it just lays on top of the beam. Yep. Yep. And I'll just put my line right there. As if the tine was not there, basically drawing a line across it. When you get on this back radius, you can use a cable so even more accurate. Because a lot of times they'll take a real hard bend and that cable will follow that contour. Yeah. On a real accurate bend. Cable's always more accurate than a ruler. But it's not, I mean, on this one's pretty flat, so it's not going to make much of a difference. Not even a 16th. After you do a couple thousand in your, it's kind of second nature on what you need to do. And it goes pretty quick. I, me and Lori was playing the other day, accuracy-wise. I scored an eight-point buck, start to finish, in less than four minutes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take long. Uh, the typical four points, to, or I should say four-by-fours and five-by-fives, there's really, that's elementary scoring at best. Yeah. There's really, there's no way to mess it up. Right. You get into the stuff that just left, the 190 mm-hmm. that just left, there's a lot of, um, interpretation and bloodlines to follow different things it's a lot more difficult buck to score yeah there's a lot more to score than what people think because most people only see these typical t- right you know so I don't know if you remember but last year I sent you a picture of a big non-typical that I found I tracked for a guy with my dog um, so I went in and tracked it in an afternoon and it got dark and we quit and he had to go back to Pennsylvania and he's like you come back tomorrow and find it, you know, I'll pay you again. So he went back to Pennsylvania and I went back in the next day and we found it. You could. So I took the deer out for him, but, uh, I sent you a picture of a big non-typical and you're like, that oh, looks like a two hundo to me. And, uh, I had no idea how to score it. Like I could score this deer and get pretty close, but, uh, I, I tried and tried to figure it out and I, I did try to score it myself and got like 198 or something. And, and then that guy had it officially scored. I don't know with what, but it was like one nine or one eight. So like a Buddha Crockett thing. Yeah, probably. But uh, but it was weird because like the one side was pretty normal, but this side had just like three big beams that come out and stuff all over. And you're like, well, I don't know which one's classified as a beam and which ones you get your width off of and inside spread. And Well, if you can't determine it, which one's a main beam, then you don't get circumferences. Yeah. And you don't get an inside spread. Yeah. So generally on multi-beam technically on paper and I said this before a buck can only have two main beams so one per side yeah I actually remember you telling me that yeah so you have to pick the one that closely matches the other side I mean if it's got typical tines coming off the top 
but it's got another inner one here that might only just be a spike or something like that. Um, pick the one that closely matches the good side. And you can draw an inside spread and then four circumferences from that. But if you can't determine which a typical tine on that side, or a main beam, I should say, then you get one base circumference, and then you measure everything else as abnormal. Huh. Okay. You get length credit for everything it grew, but you lose circumferences and an inside spread. Right. That's that's a rule. So now that you say something about the circumferences, this is basically a mainframe 10. It gets four circumferences. An eight point would also still get four circumferences. So it's not just between the tines, right? It's just on the main beam. On an eight point, six point, there's factors to think about. On a 10 point, you, it's laid out for you. Right between them. Right. And you search for the smallest. Mm -hmm. um, you guys use quarter inch inside tape. Granny's a half inch wide sewing tape. Yep, that's what I know. Floats over the bumps unfairly. So you get an exaggerated circumference. Yeah. A quarter-inch steel tape allows you to... Get in between it. Right. If you're going to do precision measuring, you use the same tools on every deer. Gotcha. So to be official, you want to use a quarter-inch steel. Right. So if you took this tine out, you'd still have your circumference here, 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 and then you just have to figure out where it was Right. for your fourth circumference. Right. If this was an eight-point and this wasn't here, you would measure... From this center line forward, divide that in half, and you can take your circumference there. Gotcha. If it was a six point, and all you had is is one, you, then you would measure from back here all the way up forward, and divide that by three gives you two locations. Gotcha. So, and then if, what's interesting is on a spike buck, a spike buck gets four circumferences. Hmm. So. It, Two times spike, you still get main beams, yep. circumferences, and inside. A spike is a main beam. Yeah. So, huh. on a on a spike buck, because there's an instance for this. If you've got a gnarly old buck that's been injured, and he's got a good side and it's huge, the other side's just a straight up spike. There's there's record buck deer like like that. Correct. Due to an injury or something, um, you would take the length of the spike. Let's say. Let's say this was just one spike here. Um, you would measure up halfway, take your circumference right there. And then you would use that one measurement four times. Four times. Yes. Okay. Yeah, learn something there. So yeah, that allows you four circumferences on a spike. So you get length of the spike and then one circumference used four times. What's the biggest spike you've ever measured? <laughs> it was like 18 inches. Have you uh, measured a two uh, two hundo with a spike on one side? Have not. It takes a lot to get to two hundred. Most generally, the two hundred inches that you see, that um, I wouldn't say squeak into the two. That sounds kind of cheap, but uh, most two hundred inches that are two hundred, two hundred one to two hundred five, or let's say, it's a hundred seventy five inch mainframe with a crap ton of brow tines and those brow tines how you interpret them and, and all that everything counts everything grows you don't do any deductions so it's generally in the brow tines right <laughs> or the abnormal or the abnormals yeah. but generally they're 175 inch mainframe <laughs> yeah what's the biggest deer you've scored 276 
How many points did it have? 28. Exactly. It was. What was the longest point on it? It'd be the main beams, 30 inches. 30 inch main yeah. beams. Yeah. The longest time I think I've measured is over 18 inches. Oh, the mole. Yeah. Jeez. That was a G2. Where did, where'd that deer come from? That 277? Um, guy down by your way. No, 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 excuse me. That was the longest time came from down there. Um, that deadhead that I found, that little boy found. Oh, really? Cutting firewood with his grandpa. I, yeah, I seen that when you posted that deer. Yep. Yep. That's a big one. Yeah, that was 276, right on the nose, pretty much. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, that was a big deer. Monster, monster. Yeah, and that, def- that wasn't, well, I, I'm not one to divulge location of where these deer are. I, I don't list counties. Guys ask me all the time. I just make it a page policy. Uh, it just. In the woods. In the woods. Good answer. Uh, mainly, I don't want to focus deer on the high counties because then, you know, I'm not against out-of-stater coming in, but people key in on those counties. Um, people hunt dead deer. They do. Yeah. And if you had my records, I can tell you the kill dates, the locations, the counties on, I know, 130, 130 200-inch deer that I've scored. Just me alone, one score. And uh, it pinpoints it. Yeah, it gives you a good idea, your best best locations. Right, and I just, I just don't. I mean, you have the normal Ohio deer pages that spout counties. I just don't. I just like to protect you guys Yeah, on where you're hunting. Sure. It's just my thing. Well, especially in today's world, it's it's become a lot more commercialized. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, people go in and just gobble it up, and, yep. and then they jack prices up and resell it or lease it out, and it makes it tough. I know uh, I've been trying to find a good lease for since we lost our lease in, in Cutler in Cutler years and years ago, and uh, it's just it's hard to find anything that's worth it for one and two. It's just, you know, six, eight, seven ten thousand dollars for three or four hundred acres is it's just unbelievable i'm asked that question all the time uh, where where was it killed at well i get to go on all the best farms i say you think big deer all the time when you think about it all of your score and then all of his tracking i bet you could put them both on a map and you'd have a pretty good idea boy and, and you guys asked me and i used to get mad about it and start spouting off and i just throw some humor at it i said northeast corner of eight tell county right <laughs> None your business counting. <laughs> I just uh, I got all kinds. I'm I'm kind of a smart ass. Yeah, yep. So what is the longest time you've ever measured? It would be eighteen inches. Yes, and it was on G two. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty good size. That's amazing. Yeah, I've had a couple. Of, there was on clean eight points too that are that big. Why not? The, what about the mass? What's the biggest basis you've measured? over seven and a half almost eight um you get some of them uh, that are just beefy well that's the way that big one non-typical i found last year was just that one side it had like all those you know tines coming out of the base and it was just monstrous oh yeah yeah like the the uh what would you go where you go next here um i just start laying out the score sheet the way it comes what? So this this right here is 
is accountable. Well, if it's one inch, it is. I didn't put tape on it because I don't need to. Obviously, yeah. It stubs right into the main V. Here, Walter. We're going to write these down. Sure. Basically, just start at the top here. Oh, and I'll just I'll just stay with the list. I got kind of memorized after this long. Like I said tip to tip is on the score sheet, but, but not it doesn't count. Four and seven eight. Overall spread is another thing. Greatest spread. Sixteen and four eight. Inside spread. I got a handy dandy little tool. This thing is nice. I kind of invented that. It works good. I put a pencil eraser on the end of this. It's a magnet. It is a magnet. Tool. But you have to have one that's not sloppy. Mm -hmm. It works stay. great. Yeah. I mean, I just run in there. Inside spread, you have to stay parallel with the eyes. You cannot. Uh, what do you mean when you say parallel? See, so you, you're not going, you can't go in and diagonals. Or yes. Saying. Right. You can't go. I don't know. It's hard to see on the camera. You can't go this way in diagonal. You have to stay parallel with the... What about in Boone and Crockett? Because I think the way I always read it, it was the widest point. Widest inside spread. That's the same thing. But you, but you have to maintain... But it has to be... Maintain. Like if it's laying on its back here, that this... So like if this beam comes straight out, it, you'd still have to measure it in the same spot. Yep. You, you, you wouldn't go for the widest point. And I've had a lot of instances where I could, but I, I'll never do that because that's against the rule book. Yeah. You yeah. have to maintain 90 degrees as much as possible. Some beams are higher than others. They go straight up. This one goes out and around, and you you can't not. Right. Not be at an angle, but yeah. you're still parallel. Left. Right. You're still parallel to the eye. Okay. So what if that main beam was real wide <laughs> and it had a lot of mass and it kind of turned out? Okay. If they tilt out... I'm shooting for the middle of that main beam. The middle of the, the main beam. beam. Yes. Um, I won't take advantage and go on the bottom of that main beam because a lot of times, a lot of times they'll turn out. A lot of times they'll turn in. Right. Um, I will shoot. If it's standard like this, I'll go right dead center. Sure. But if it's tilted out, I'll shoot right exactly for the middle of that main beam judging top to bottom. The deer I killed, flyer, his beam sloped like that. And if you go to the center... It, it, it's bigger. Yeah. Yeah. If if you're doing it just to the top of that main beam, that's kind of could shorten yourself. Right. Our road book allows us to go, it says exactly what to do to the middle of that main beam if they slope in or out. Makes sense. Yeah. Lay out the ruler here. Inside spread. You ready? Yep. Uh, 14 and six eights. And if a measurement is a strong 16th or above, let's say 15 sixteenths, a strong one, you can round that up. Really? But you cannot if it's determining if it's a point. Gotcha. If it, if it's like this, it has this point right here. And then y'all see what I'm talking about here. This little little bear's tooth right here. It has to be a solid one. It's solid one. You cannot round that up whatsoever. But uh, any other measurement, if it's a fat 16th or above, you can go for it. 
So I got this little cheater on the end of my cable. That's one inch. I'll just poke that right down there. And go on and see the out curves over the outside edge. I can bring that right to there. And I can know by looking at it, that's going to be an inch and an eighth. See? <laughs> so we'll be able to count that as yes, well. Yes, that is a scoreable point. So that side would be set. Yep. I always start on the right side. Yeah. And then uh, normal points on the right side, you would put one and two eighths right here. Or one and one eighth, excuse me. Do you want it in the same box? Yep. Okay, every, every, um, and I know y'all know this or you wouldn't be watching, um, their scoring is all done in eights. I'll say four eights. I'll say six eights. Correct. And a lot of guys will jump on me for that, but we don't reduce fractions because it's easier to do the math in the long run, simple as sure. that. Uh, a lot of times I have fun on Facebook, guys. I say, don't you mean six eights meaning three quarters? Like, no, I don't. Or I'd have said that. And it's, all right. it's all in eights. It's that's just the way we do it. And I'm it is such a bad habit now. I'll be cutting a tube before at work or hollowing out measurements. You know, Thirty-four to six eight. And I was looking at <laughs> like, wait, what? What's that? Yeah. It's a such a bad habit after years of doing this. But Boone and Crockett's the same way, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Generally scoring methods, fundamentals are the same. It's just <clears throat> sometimes different results and outlooks on what we're looking for. They're more interested, Boone and Crockett is, in the typical frame. Everything's based off symmetry in that perfect frame. The rest is in the way. Yeah. On a typical score sheet, they wouldn't even include these abnormals in your gross. Well, I know there's there's a lot of deer that, based off of their scoring, that if there was some tines broke off of it, it would be better for their score sheet. Yeah. Yeah. And worse for ours. Well, I won't say worse. We score what's there. Yeah, I don't care about deductions. I want to know how, what it actually is. Right. And that's what we're after. That's what we go for. It's all based on what what is here in your hand. What did that deer have on his head? Yep. I mean, give him credit for what it grew. Right. That's what, uh, um, and not using that inside spread in the ranking and entry requirements, we don't need that inside spread. That allows us to bypass the drying period. Because that's the only part that changes. It, it's not the antlers that score or uh, shrink as much as the skull plate. plate. And if you look right there, that's a hinge. Sure. Yeah. And as that skull plate dries out, that pulls in. Yep. And just doing the test when Miss Lori killed her deer this year, I took a nice straight stick and I cut that and fit that right in there so it would fall out of that inside spread. And then I didn't wedge it in there and try to maintain spread. I've already scored. It's already in the regular book. So it didn't matter. But I wanted to gauge to judge just how much this thing shrank. So I did my own test on her buck. And it was 20 and a half inch, inches wide. So I cut that stick at 100 or uh, 20 and a half. And within that 60 day drying period, there is no way I could get that stick in there again. Really? I would have, right now, I'd have to wedge that open a half inch. It lost. Oh, no. It is on due to the skull plate shrinkage. Wow. So, yeah, it, it does determine it. 
So for Buckmasters, you definitely want to get them scored as quick as you shoot them. Right, because our rankings, exactly. I mean, guys will wait. I'm going to get down there. You can do it next year. Well, you might be losing. Let's say the main beams might shrink an eighth. You lose an eighth times four. There's an inch or, or close to an inch on circumferences. And up to, I've seen an inch and a half on inside spread. Inside spread. I don't remember exactly what you measured my 10 point that you scored at the rendezvous inside spread, but I know whenever you measured it, it shrunk a good bit from when we measured it. It was like almost 24 inches inside, when, and I think it was 23 and an eighth when, when you did it. No, yeah, it will. Like I said, right now on her buck, that stick I measured, I can put it on the inside of one and it hits dead center of the main beam on the other side now. And that was within that 60 day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know my my Illinois deer, it was, the day I shot it, we measured it, it was like 18 inside. And then I, I scored it like a year ago again, and it was like 17 and a half inside. Really? Yeah. It does make a difference. I mean, the, the, the drying period, if you had to factor that in, it's, for us, it's better if you get it scored. So you're saying even even the beams themselves will shrink some, really? Yeah, I just I thought most of it was just right here and in in your majority inside spread. I never really thought these would shrink much. Yeah, on on perfect example is uh, I have that trophy scan machine, uh-huh. so I wanted to test its accuracy on the the laser trophy scan. So I rescored a couple of bucks that I had scored on the tailgate. So I wanted actual hard hand measurement on bucks that were old, and then I scanned it, and then I compared the two. And yeah, they will lose an eighth, to, like around the bases could lose like a two-eighths of an inch. Wow. So they will, sh- they will. I mean, it's just dried up. <laughs> Losing their moisture. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So it, I have seen it. It will lose circumferences. And that would be a lot more on the bigger the deer is. Yep. The bigger the deer, the more the loss. So when you kill a big deer, you're better off if you're interested in buckmasters, whatever. Get it scored right away. Freshly. Preferably. Well, they, I mean, if you can, before you cut the skull cap at all. Right. That's when you're going to benefit the most when the antlers are still on the uncut head. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you cut that and get it as thin as this, that sucker starts drying out. So... What about European mounts? You think you think they still sh- they still not as much not as much. I mean, some taxidermists will cut these heads close, like this one is. Mm-hmm. Some of the others will leave more of a skull cap on them. Right. You're. I mean, the the more you leave, right, the better. That's the foundation gluing all that together. So, yeah. Yeah. So re- really, the the way they cut it affects it, <laughs> and how fast it dries. Yeah, my, our taxidermist will cut them like this, but the only cut we make, or he'll make, is between the antlers. He doesn't make the Y cut. He just cuts straight straight through here, and that's the only cut on the whole mount. I would actually, for scoring, prefer they just go right through the eyes and leave the rest, and they cut it later when they need to. Right, sure. Yeah. As, if you drop that, this sucker's going to break. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, it's real fragile. But the more you leave on the better off you're going to be in handling it. He, he, he can make his final cuts later on. So I would, 
you guys that have these big deer, I would actually ask the taxidermist and recommend that. Or the butcher shop guy, just cut through the eye to the back and leave as much as you can. Well, we can always do that because he he's friends with our taxidermist, and uh, so he always is the one that keeps them, Walter keeps them all out and, and cuts the, the skin off of the heads and everything. So we, we, we do all that. Sure. We had an incest. Do uh, you remember Davy Stucky's buck? They had the antler growing out of its eye. The, I remember the name. I, I can't remember the deer. Yeah, he had the he had the high and tight with the antler coming out of the bottom of his eye and it scored that. Any of the unicorn points or any points can be scored added to that. I mean, that deer was on his left eye and he had the antler coming out of his left eye on the bottom. So if you leave that intact, the taxidermist, I think it was Matt Colopy, he actually cut that skull cap and left that eye socket. So I can apply that secondary tine, that unicorn tine coming out of his eye, I can apply that towards the left antler. Yeah. And it counts. But if had he cut that out, I couldn't count. <laughs> so how did that, where'd that tine grow from? From the bottom of the eye socket. But it wasn't, it what didn't grow out of the base of the beam and then down? Or... No. Huh. No, it was a total separate pedicle. In the eye socket. In the eye socket. And oh. there's, there's a bunch of scientific stuff that causes that. You get, let's say, a, a buck fight. A, a buck would stab his antler under here and pick up some of those cells and then stab him over there. That could implant it from the pedicle cells from this one and create a new one stabbing him somewhere else. So that wasn't a pedicle that was in him genetically from a fawn to grow like that. that he never had it to you before. That's crazy. I didn't know they could grow new pedicles if you look at a lot of the unicorn bucks i mean there's this is a science that we'll probably never get to the bottom of but that's where they're at now if if the tine goes underneath there and really gouges into that pedicle and then stabs him somewhere else you can actually plant those cells and it will start growing there so you think most of these unicorn bucks that you see weren't that way the year before yeah huh i'll be that's uh never would have known if that never would have if that's the case, they would start them out as button bucks. Yeah, makes sense. Old war wounds, I think. Injuries cause a lot of it. But um, so, what if a deer sheds one of its sides? Um, can it still get it scored? Well, then it's estimated. I just right? did one last week. Yep. Uh, I can't give you an inside sprint credit. No credit at all. No. Now, certain ones, I don't know if you can. Uh, I had another scorer. Just give me that. This one fit in into a locked position. Right. And he talked to the boss and took pictures proper, this, that, and the other. And um, he got it in to within officials. I've never done that. Because um, it's, it's just, in our rule book, you can't. It'd be really easy to gain an eighth of an inch. Yeah. I mean, just enough. I mean, if you're talking a big deer, 200 inches, that can make your break it. Sure. Well, even putting it back in, it could be off by a quarter inch, and that's all you need. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. Unless I had that lock key position, there's no 100%. It's not but your record books go off of antler, not inside spread anyway. Entry. The entries. Right. Yeah. So this deer I scored last week, when it hit the ground on the death crash, 
it knocked that antler off. So both sides scored 151 inches, and he held it in there, and I got the, gave him my best Hail Mary. I mean, he locked it in and put pressure on it and really locked it in, and I got 22-inch inside spread. So, I mean, that put him in a 173-inch buck, but that is an unofficial BTR score. But the hard bone measurement entry requirements and rankings, he's locked in. Yeah. At 151. <laughs> nice. Yeah, makes sense. So I can see where you'd have to, um, if you had one that popped off and uh, and you could really definitely lock it in there and had certain key points and pictures, and you could probably get it past it. What was the uh, what was the guy's name that killed the world record in Illinois a couple years ago? I think the buck he named the buck Mufasa, but it had the big Brewster. Drop. Was that yeah? That's it. Luke Bre- Brewster. Yep. Yeah. The uh, it broke off when it hit the ground, mm-hmm. and in this picture, you can see he's like holding in that those big drop tines in that beam and where it broke off. So, did Boone and Crockett still allow that, like fixing it and put it back together? We did, and that was my next question. Well, you don't guess. You score it before it's repaired. Very important. If you glue it and screw it, we don't know how much you added to it. Yeah. So if you ever break off a tine, and it's in your hand, don't ever glue it back on or. Just throw some tape on it so you don't lose it. But make sure that I can see that it fits. Mm-hmm. I can include that in the score. So if this, let's just say you had a G2 break off here, uh-huh. but you had the other piece. You had the other piece. You could just either you could just stick it back on there and, and measure it. Yep. If it fits like a glove and it's, it's obvious it's going to fit or it's not. Right. If I see that you cut both sides flat. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But yeah, just the other day I had a, uh, in fact, I posted the shed this morning. The guy did a little epoxy repair from squirrel chewing and he had a little bit of epoxy on the antler tip and he rebuilt a little of it. So no, I didn't include that. I scored that tine up to the the repair, up to the epoxy. I couldn't see what was underneath that epoxy. Most of it was uncovered and I could see that it was a solid tine. Yeah. Until he got to the very tip. I'm only going to score that if you glue it or screw it. I'm only going to score that to the break. Yeah. No matter what you do after that. That's rule. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, details that guys don't normally. There's more to deer score than what people think. Well, yeah, definitely. The, uh, so you use a cable to main beams to do the main beams. And we just drop it somewhere down here. I dropped these off my back porch and they went down through cracks in my deck. And I'm out there with a cape coat hanger. I got no way to crawl under. Hold that right there, sir. Yeah, on the main beams, I start. If you put the deer in the natural head position, it's the lowest point towards the ground I'm looking for. So it's it's the it's the lowest point. No, it's not the back of the main beam. It's at the center. No, yeah, right dead center. If you put the deer in the head natural position, mm-hmm. what's the closest point towards the ground? Right here? Yep, right in that notch. Right in that notch. Right, right. Yeah, that's where I'm hooking. Most guys will short themselves on main beams because they measure them inaccurately. They always start to, I mean, most guys do this from the Boone and Crockett chart dot and, dot and dash thing. Mm-hmm. It just shows it straight up the, the back, and then most guys start on the back, and that's not accurate. Um, the 45 to the back of the main beam. 
says right in our rule book how to do this. After you do a couple thousand of them, you get good at it. And then transition to the side. The center of the beam, right? Yeah. And whether that beam tips up front to back, I'm going to shoot for the widest part, whether it be top or bottom. This one's pretty uh, rounded. So I'm just going to roll that back. And if you slip, you start over. I got fat thumbs, so I'm gripping both sides of the bone, not necessarily pushing the cake. Yeah, because you could obviously slide it just a little bit yeah. one way or another. It was going to pitch that off there. You can use a set of alligator clips, but I just use my dirty thumbnail. Lay it out on this ruler. 24 one eighth inch on the right main beam. Longest, uh, I think the longest main beams I've done is actually on Keith Snyder's uh, Illinois. Yeah, the roadkill buck. Yeah, like 30... 31. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah, that thing took up some real estate. So while I'm on main beams, I'm going to jump right over and do the left side. That's kind of the only time I go out of order. This is... A, well, so it actually does... You come from lowest point over 45 yeah. and then up around... If you look in the back of this main pump, every deer has this... The, these, this, yep. You see that? I think it... Every 45 to that, then I'll follow that. It says right in the rule book exactly what to do. Well, I could see how people could measure their own main beams and be shorter. Yeah. And I'll put that right, and then transition to the side right underneath. See, we call them, we don't call them G2s, we call them P2s, they're point. Gs are a line item ticket on a Boone and Crockett's course sheet. So Gs and Hs are circumference. We just call them Ps and Cs. Same thing. Here, roll it back. Then I'm just following the contour. There's a so you, as it comes around. Yeah, there's a medial ridge I always shoot for, whether it be top or bottom. So if this beam come in, let's just say it had like a big divot in it, would you would you go over the divot or would you go down through the divot? I would keep the cable pressed to the main. And then just go. So you wouldn't go if the, let's just say half this main beam was out. But it grew like that. Would you follow the con just come through it, or would you come down through it? I would follow the main contour. It yeah, it yeah. Went, just like a tine is in an S. Right. So like this one goes up. You would you would follow the actual shape. Follow the shape of the contour. Okay, twenty two five eight. Now, right side uh, tines. We've already determined that that was that little bear tooth. Now, here's an abnormal. This, the brow tines are obvious, and we'll pick this one to match this one. Even though they're both in the brow tine area, this one's obviously the abnormal. Right. It's offset from what this one looks like. Use one side to determine the other and one in if you can. The only time you can't do that is sheds. Even though you know you find a max set of sheds on the ground, you know they obviously come from one deer. You got a hundred pictures of it. You cannot use one side to determine the other. Gotcha. On sheds are separate entities and two separate score sheets. Abnormal point on the right side, three and seven eighths.
Now, right down here, you'd be brow time, which would be P1. Right is 4 and 3 8. Just keep going right on down that row. 6 and 6 eighths. 7 and 4 eighths. See how I'm pushing that in? Yeah. Yep. Trying to keep my ruled edge right on that center line. Four and five eighths. Okay, I'm gonna jump to the left main me brow tightening. It's a little longer, which wouldn't matter to us. Five and two eighths. P2 is eight and two eighths. And there again, if the time leans, you obviously want to take it on the outside radius. If the time leans out, you want to take it on the inside. Whichever one's going to benefit that radius, it's going to be longer on the outside radius. Yeah. There's no rule that says you have to do it from the outside or the inside. We can do it either way. We're going to take advantage of the longest outside radius. But you do it from the center. Yes. The, the uh, Right down the center. There's generally... Uh, what I call meat and potatoes, the medial ridge, that the thickness. Yep. I'm going to follow that. I'm always looking for that on where to start my measurements. Six and five-eighths. And this was kind of chipped off at the top. Okay, and there's a... It's a sixteenth, but it's just shy of a sixteenth, so I'm going to stick with four inches. Didn't quite make that 16th where I can bump it up. Gotcha. Yeah. So looking at that, it's a five by five plus two. So it's 12 point fish, right? Yep. So you would only score up to seven <laughs> by seven. Yeah. If, if I did, uh, um, I've never seen more than that. I've never seen an eight by eight yet. I mean, that's rare. But if there was, uh, would you add that? Yep. Okay. I would add it on there. That's what these are here, these abnormal tines. If you run out of space, you use a secondary score sheet state put to it. I've only killed two deer in Illinois, and they're both 12 points. Nice. Now, uh, circumference is, that's why I use a quarter-inch steel tape. The smallest diameter... Between the burr and the brow tine, the smallest. So it's not it's not just a center. It's just whatever. No, we don't do. Center. It's a, you search for the smallest because that gives you your average. Generally, they'll taper up. So there's four and three eighths, four and three eighths, and it gets bigger from there. So it'll be four and three eighths. Then between the brow tine and the P two, three and six eighths, three and six eighths, three and five eighths. Sorry about your luck, buddy. Got it? Three and five eight. Yeah. There were three would be there's a fat sixteen. Three and six eighths. Three and three eighths. Okay, left side. 
like I said, these these typical bucks go quick, quick. Four and three eighths. They're seeing slight mm-hmm. notch. Yeah. That's why that half inch. Because some people could just go over top. Yeah. And make it bigger. Yeah. And that's unfair. What's the matter, old dog? My girl, Savannah. Tell me about it. Tell me the story. Three and six eighths. Three and six eighths. All right. Three and two eighths. I'll go lay down. It ain't playtime. We love dogs. Oh, yeah. Okay, you want to do the math? Or is it, you're not used to using... I'll let you do the math. Okay. I'll let you fill it out from here. I'll do it a lot quicker. Um, that's why I had him write it, because my handwriting is so bad, you wouldn't have been able to read it. Oh, that's you. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah, oh. You can add the eights and then carry it over, then add the inches. I find it faster to me to convert the eights to decimals mm-hmm. in my head. I, I can do it without hesitation. Well, with as many as you've scored. Sure. But I, I like it when I score it and shout numbers to Lori, because she can run a calculator like, it'll just... She's not that one-handed thing. I have to hunt and peck. So, like I said, everything counts. What I'm going to do is have normals first. One, like, one, two, five, three, four, eight, seven, five. So I'm going to keep track of how much abnormal tines it has, five inches. Okay. Then keep adding them down. I know it's boring doing math. Conversion of decimals. It's just that easy. Okay, right side has 67 inches. 67 and 4 eighths. Okay, he's got no jump points on the abnormals I should say I got to quit saying junk points because they do count they're just abnormal or irregular points but that's just a habit I'll take a buck with junk or trash oh, it, 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 for sure so I always I always want one that's got a bunch of kickers and stickers yeah. and stuff on it I never get to find them yeah this deer's got more junk on it than any of my kills that's true all my other ones are pretty clean is that the gene tool down there well, this I shot in Illinois. Um, I killed my biggest deer in Illinois in 2017, and I went out to a different spot in 2018, hunted for five days, didn't kill nothing. Went to Indiana, drove back home, had Thanksgiving, left that night, drove to Indiana, killed a deer that you scored, and I shot in Indiana, and then come back and left and went back out to Illinois and found this deer and shot it. Don't you have a job, dude? You're just traveling all over? Oh, 2018, I did a lot of hunting. <laughs> Just teasing. So 61 on the left side. Right side is obviously bigger because of the irregular points. It had a longer beam too, didn't it? Yeah. So we're adding both sides. 
So record book entry level, you're at 129. That's both sides of bone and three eighths, 129, three eighths. Then we'll bring down the 14 and six eighths of inside spread, add that to it. And you look at 144 inches. That's funny. Which funny? We were driving down the road, and I said, uh, "I said I've never had it actually scored." I said, "So I grabbed it from the back seat, and I said, what do you think a score will order?'" And he's like, "Eh, 143." And he said, "What do you think?" I said, "I said 144." <laughs> so you're buying lunch, or he's buying? I got. He's lunch. got by lunch. <laughs> missed it by an inch. Yeah, yeah. That's both. That's not. That's not hateful at all. Yeah. Okay. So what I'll do now. Since we don't do typical and non-typical, I'll take that five inches of abnormal tines, divide that by the total inches of antler. 129.375, hit the equals, move the decimal point over. He is 3.8% abnormal. So he would fall in the typical category. Not in the perfect category. Not in the perfect, because he has too much... So what he can't have any junk in a perfect category. No, no, he can't. He left one one percent. Yeah. So and what was the weapon you used? I used shot a compound. So that's his category. Compound both typical. So he would only be ranked against other bucks killed by that weapon, and that category. Yeah. <laughs> so unlike Boone and Crockett, they would. They don't, they're not weapon specific. So you, you're battling, if you're using a longbow or a recur, you're battling against shotgun bucks. Right. Right. So it's not really fair. We are more weapon specific. So you're grouped on the weapon you use. And then the category it falls in. So, well, this is the deer that in the last podcast that we were talking about, that I said I, I sh used to shoot NAP and I shot that deer. This is when I shot it like 60 yards and it cut his belly open no way and we i was filming we waited till the next day to go find it, it super super so cold there snow on and i had the gopro footage tracking along I, sh I i missed him at 10 yards and he ran down the hill and i got spun around had my camera arm and everything shot him at 60 yards and hit him back but it come out here and it it sliced him open and it broke the arrow so i, I went and got the arrow and i couldn't really it just, i looked like from where I shot him, it looked like I hit him in the in the hind quarter. I was sick. And uh, there was just a little bit of gut matter it looked like on the air. So we waited till the next day and walked in. And uh, I'm walking along the track. We probably made it like 50, 60 yards or so. And I was kind of getting bummed. And there was a piece of intestine about that long. I was like, oh, we'll get him. Go a little bit farther and there's a little bit more. And in the GoPro video, we're walking through the trail and it's whole stomach was in the trail. laying in the trail and it was like zero degrees out that night frozen in a solid block and then it went like another 60 70 yards probably and, and died in the creek it was half gutted between there <laughs> that's gruesome yeah it's, it's, it worked though you don't want to put that on facebook <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the uh yeah we put a i put a video up of us wrestling a deer that we had tracked and walked up i was still alive and yeah some people don't like that stuff either it's part of it. The uh, I seen you had a drone here. Was it a month or two ago? Yeah. The uh, found a coyote. Yeah. Well, yeah. just doing the test, and he flew up, found an embedded buck, all within what 
couple of minutes. Thirty seconds. Yeah, or, and then flew up from him and went over and found a a bedded down coyote, a napping coyote. Yeah, really. Yeah, it was really cool. So, I don't I don't know. You probably don't know that much about us and tracking deer, but he's been tracking deer with dogs for seventeen years. What was eight hundred and eight hundred and seventy five? He's tracked with his Jack Russells and Dachshunds. Um, now I bought a drone this year. I've I've got a German Shepherd that I track with too. But then I bought a thermal drone and also to to play with. Um, and we had Sean Butler. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a he's a big tracker. We were talking about the drone stuff. Um, seems like there's a lot of people that dislike them. I mean, what do you what do you think about it? Whatever it takes to find it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way we I mean, feel about it. I'm not. I seen the quickness and I mean fresh. The longer you wait, the less chance with that drone. Um, Stealth, I'd prefer a drone mm. because you're not going in invading and spooking other deer. Or if he is alive, you're not running him out. Mm. Um, Stealth-wise, I would probably say in speed, probably be the drone. But yeah. I'm not against or even prefer. Right. I love hounds. I used to do beagles and all that stuff. I love yeah. the hounds. I mean, they have, that is my thing. I love watching yeah, we uh, we were talking about like Ohio won't let you use a drone in the sky and a dog on the ground at the same time. Really? Yeah. But some of the lower states you can. They'll they'll run a drone in the sky and and you can run your dogs off leash down in like Georgia or Alabama or something. Okay. You can do both of them. Like that would be cool. But yeah, no, Ohio won't let you do it. You have a lot more open land than we have. Yeah, and a lot more cover, a lot yeah. more canopy. Yeah, that's true. Plus, I got several calls from guys that had the drone come out and they already spent their money on the drone so they wasn't having a dog come afterwards but uh they found their deer alive and they waited and when they went the deer was gone yep so then the only option was to call the drone back and they wanted the full price it's a second trip dog. it's a second trip so yeah I, I could see that um i've heard it both ways where the dog failed and the drone found it sure there's there's good and bad it's 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 good um i I don't like the concept of taking a marginal shot and then having plan b as a backup plan and i'm calling this guy and just just go ahead and shoot it through the brush or whatever i don't like that um we all should be more ethical and but it it does happen i understand oh yeah i mean it's part of shooting a live target yeah, I mean, if you never had a shot go wrong, you have not been hunting. Have it hunted very much. Yeah, seriously, we've all done it. Yeah, the, and most of my track jobs, they're not always just repeat customers. I mean, it's yeah. new people, new people. So, and a lot of times they tell me it's the first time they've ever called a dog or wound had to had to call a dog. Yeah, if they have an animal that you know, you definitely want to recover. I mean, a lot of guys I know will, won't even, I mean, just if they had that iffy marginal shot or whatever, and they want insurance of a clean and they got the money, it's going to cost them bring in that drone or whatever. I would, on that instance, I'd probably bring in, stay out, don't bump him, stay above him. I can see the purpose of that. Dogs is boots on the ground. I, I get that. And it's just as good. But you are taking a chance of. I think there's a 
there's upsides and downsides to both of them. The yeah. uh, did you uh, did you kill deer this year? No, you, you killed one. Yes, Lori has robbed me of all opportunity. <laughs> but she killed a, a monster. I was getting ready to shoot that. She come up and knocked me all the way. My head still hurt. And Katie Bliver. Yeah, it's a giant. The uh, yeah, it's a giant. Well, what that deer score? One eighty three and two eights. One eighty three and two eights on the tailgate with the crossbow. Yes, she killed that early. Yeah, September eighteenth. Well, DSA County. Oh, season opens September 9th. Gotcha. I'd never give you a chance. She's. I mean, I've got to be more discreet on my trail cam pictures and intel. Yes. Uh, how many? How many big deer she killed right here? She's got two of the biggest deer in the house. Yeah. I've got four 160s, but she's got a 172 and then a 183. The one, did she have the 172 at the rendezvous? No. Was it, she shoot that after that? That was a pair of bucks we got during the gun season of 21. Of 21, yeah. I killed my pistol buck on Monday of opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the most active deer on the property. Those two ran together in the bachelor group. And ended up fighting each other over a one doe, and one her brow tine broke off my brow tine, so she's after us again. <laughs> cost he scored one fifty seven and six. Yeah, that brow tine cost you. Yeah, but like I said, if if you're gonna you gonna do some gun hunting, you got to go with the freaky stuff. Yeah. So if you're gonna instead of using a shotgun, use a muzzleloader. Instead of using a muzzleloader, use a rifle. If you know, the lever action certified rifle, and use a pistol over it all. Use a pistol. At 157, that buck is number four in the state. With a pistol. With a pistol. That's awesome. But it's rare. Yeah. Yeah, not that many people have. Right. Yeah. So you know, I'm always using the freaky stuff. I use a longbow instead of a compound. I don't even own a compound. You ever killed one old compound? Yeah. Yeah. I'm about your longbow. I've got one kill with that in the record, but that's where I'm this is what I'm going for is the checkoff list of nine. Get them all. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I don't have, and I've got a Henry 44 lever action. That was my goal this year. If I had to pull the trigger, it's going to be with that Henry. I don't have a center fire rifle up for, for Buckmasters. I've got a recurve. I've got a longbow. I've got compound. I've got crossbow. Uh, I don't have the rifle. I've got shotgun, pistol, black powder. I, I'm not even going to bother with air rifle. No, I can't. Yes. Pickup, huh? That's cool. Pickup is a deadhead. Deadhead. That's our technical term for a deadhead or found or a roadkill. So what's the rules for picking up a deadhead in Ohio? Um, you have to have a salvage tag. Um, basically, the best thing to do is leave it, lay, call in law enforcement, either ODNR or a uh, highway patrolman or sheriff and get them to write you a salvage tag. If you find it off out in the farm, out in the woods, you're better off to immediately take in situ pics of the, how you found it. Don't touch it. And the worst thing you want to do, especially if it's a big deer, is pick it up and take it home. Yeah. Get those pictures. Let somebody know. Right there. <laughs> it makes sense. Pics. Yeah. It's better to have evidence of where you found it. And calling the dogs, they can see all that coyote evidence or whatever sharmits. Or if it's a road kill, it's going to be near a road or something. 
it's better to cover your butt. CYA is ultra important these days. Yeah. The uh, how many deer you scored this deer season or this year? Which no, this year way you would that were harvested this year. Uh, well, I I don't know either way. Well, I it in I put them in the Vance's contest. Every deer that was killed this year, if, if it qualifies for the book, and that's over 150. 150. since season open. How many two hundreds? Uh, Twenty. Three twenty-three two hundreds this year. This year, wow, man. that's just me. That's a bunch. And that's just Ohio. No, that's just me. There's other. I mean, those, those are those are just Ohio bucks. Yeah, yeah. So you don't score bucks from anywhere else, or I do. I can score nationwide. Yeah, but makes sense. My page is Buckmasters of Ohio because I live here and I don't right. really travel to score. But that's not including the other scores are. Measuring 200 inches also. How many scores, Buckmaster scores, are there in Ohio? 20-some. Really? In Ohio alone. Oh, yeah. You can throw a rock and hit a Buckmaster score in the bushes. <laughs> I mean, but there's just not many that's active. There's maybe three, four that's active out of that 21 or two, I think. So do you, you guys talk to other scores in other states, too, all the time? Oh, yeah. Or yeah. So how many think you guys have scored two hundos? nationwide this year well i would say safely um 40 does that number go up every year no you don't think so it fluctuates it, it don't consistently go up i mean tw 2020 was a big year for me i could only speak on numbers for exact numbers for myself um 2020 21 22 slacked off um I score more 200-inch deer than I do 190s. Explain that one. I don't know. What's your what's your thought behind it? I look at 20-inch 20, 20 increments. I seriously do. If you look at it, I keep every phone picture of every deer I score on my phone with the numbers and the name. Um, I think they just make an explosive jump from 170 to 200. Yeah. And they skip rakes. And generally, it's the old bucks that are on the downhill slide that used to be 200 inch. They're, I mean, one, the 190 inch bucks that I score in, from the history and the story. I've went downhill. Hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, how old do you think most 200 inch deer that you score are? The best rack a deer will throw is at six and a half years. Seven and a half, they might maintain mass, but they've lost hind length and they'll generally lose. See, so yeah, I know there's always a, a, usually a big jump from three and a half to four and a half and four and a half to five and a half. Um, maybe we just don't ever have yeah, them, uh, enough history to, to get to the six and a half years. But I've always felt like our deer are not mature until they're four and a half. So their long bones in their body is not done growing until they're four and a half. So that's why the next year, you get the biggest increase in antler size because all that goes into the rack. It's no longer going into their skeletal system. Yep. And then that following year is when they probably start throwing on the, the extra trash. Yep. trash. And that's where they gain that extra yep. 10 or 20. I would definitely confirm the main frame is there at five and a half. The trash, his biggest year is going to be six and a half. And then he'll start going downtown downhill maintaining bone density and all that his energy goes back into his frame of his body maintain yeah that five and a half and six and a half is probably the two hardest years to kill him too 
That's what he's at. Most active, most smartest, and most on his game. Yeah. yeah. They're full-time deer. We're part-time hunters. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard to trick them. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your trophy scan. It's just a laser scanning system that uh, you basically prop this rack up, and it does uh, like LIDAR imaging. It You can, when you start this thing, this thing is rock solid on this pedestal. And it builds a box around it, and then you start walking around it, and anything inside that box, it captures. And it'll build you a 3D uh, print of this rack that you can put on a computer and spin it around. And Really? So <clears throat> I see your, I see Lori's little one over there. Yep. Um, that's modeled after the deer that she killed. And it's, I mean, it looks identical to it. For a replication, that's what it is. No, and it was 3D printed, right? So how how big can the company 3D print? My my question is, is could you scan this deer or any deer and they 3D print it in the e- equivalent size? There's dudes that if you get money's no object, they're taking their elk heads and making them out of bronze and brass and putting them at the end of their driveway two times the natural size. <laughs> of their actual elk. Their elk, their mule deer, their whatever. You, you can scan anything. Uh, so, the, the like the world record deer that uh, Antlers by Cross mm-hmm. um, replicates, are they 3D printed? No. Those are actually poured and molded. Yeah, That's what I, I thought. The hard part about that, and they're probably the best way to go if you, money's no object. But it would have to be a lot more money. Yeah. It would be like five grand. Oh. Uh, but he'll have to take that mount or do whatever and cut that apart and make molds. He has to have the rack in hand mm-hmm. where with the trophy scan, we can go to your house and scan this thing and you'll never have to lose possession of it. And then you upload this file, this 3D image to the cloud, call the company, they'll pull it off the cloud, send it to many muleys and make you little miniatures or, or, or better yet, if you even want to know miniature that scan is there forever if you have a house fire fire or theft you lose the rack you can get that printed at a tenth of the cost of so that's always been my fear is is you know losing them in a fire or somebody stealing yeah. them or or something like that it's insurance yeah it will yeah this scan won't pay for a replacement it right. allows you an avenue to be able to get it at some point. Yeah. yeah. So is that something you offer? Yeah. So if I called you and said, I got 20 deer in my house that I want scanned, mm-hmm. you would come do it. Yep. What's that cost? It Obviously where we're at. If you brought me one deer and uh, I scanned it in a system, it's a $100 bill to preserve that image. Okay. That miniature, that's above and beyond that. Just to get, I mean, it goes by volume. Like if you have like five deer or whatever. Your head's in the way too. <laughs> Just here, bring it here. Let's see it. <laughs> At all costs. There's the 3D. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really cool. The, uh, can you send that to me? Yeah, that's just a gift. Uh, that comes with the skin. Well, you get that in the package. Yeah. If you give me the details or whatever, I'll take that video and I'll put it as we're talking on the, on this video too. Okay. So people can, yeah. can see it. Yeah, definitely. That'd be cool. Yeah. That's, that's what it gives a 3d dimensional. 
the uh... I thought she didn't like being on camera. I don't. You see my side? Your backside? Flaunt it, baby. <laughs> hey, we have fun here. That's good. She kills all my deer, so I got your back. Of course. So, will the company that makes those 3D print it, or what company would do the 3D print on the actual size of it? Um, there's only like a few that can 3D print that big. That big. There's only like three to five companies, so they will sub that out, and it the scan is only in by trophy scan. And then many muley companies actually print the miniatures. Right. So Trophy Scan scans it. They take that 3D software print, whatever. They give it to the mini muley. Yep. And then they take it, put it in their system, and print it. But we can also do 2D stuff, like sticker scan, uh, different anything 2D that can go on a coffee cup. There's all kinds of stuff. You can take this 2D picture of this bot, your bot, and get it put on a T-shirt if you want. 2D stuff we can do in-house. Uh, eventually, there's going to be like a catalog of stuff you can you can get earrings for your wife made out of your rack. <laughs> Not that she want them, but, but but you know what I'm saying. The cabinet hinges, handles, and all. Sure. All, yeah. There's the unlimited supply. Yeah, there we go. The, uh, I got you. Yeah. 2D. So this is like a 2D one. Yep. Ah! That's no big deal. She's she even got score written on the bottom. That's really cool. And that is the exact rep. Yeah, I mean, everything's there. Yeah. Everything. The dimensional symmetry, the the expanse, I mean, is right there. You can get these in uh, Euro mounts, too. All you need is a, is the rack. Huh. And what's one of these cost? That's $150. $150. Bucks. I want one of all of them, I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to build a little trophy. <laughs> yeah, you could. Like, across your dash, make bobbleheads out of them. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the thing. I mean, it, it's kind of pricey, but uh, who wouldn't, if you killed a deer like this, who would sure. that? No doubt. Absolutely. I have never killed a 180, and I still like me. I'm so I got one 170. That's it. Yeah. I haven't killed a 182, but I just show hers off. The, yeah. uh, so we can, you have an email or something that, that I can put on here for people to be able to reach out to you, or what's the best way if somebody wanted something trophy scanned? Um, best way is my Facebook page. Okay. Uh, Toby Hughes Buckmasters of Ohio. Uh, all my traffic, I've got websites, everything funnels it. My most activity is Facebook. Okay. I, um, the, so who makes, who makes these, these, the 2D ones? Trophy Skin does that in. Oh, these enhance. We, we can do that in house. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. That's just a 2D image straight on. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And, uh, this is kind of cool. The, uh, that head on look of that buck, do you see what I'm looking at here on this score sheet? Mm -hmm. It's the same buck. Nice. Uh, I mean, I just took my custom score sheet and put in her extra little tine points in that little worm. And right there it is. That's really You can rarely see it on the 2D there, but uh, it's there. It's definitely. Mm. But yeah, pretty cool stuff. And it's really cool. Like I said, um, the best first and of the trophy scan, first and foremost, you need to get that scan in that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Then you, there's options from there. You don't have to do anything other than to get the scan. That's preservation. to allows you to, uh, you have a backup blueprint. It's like a backup database file so to your deer. Does 
trophy scan have like a a database that they'll always keep that for you yes for life so that was that way if you lose it then they always have it still yes yeah, and your kids will have it yeah you're dead and gone it's always there sure. and you can pull off that and get a replica at any time that's really neat that's really neat uh, any idea what a 150 inch 3d printed rack cost the rack let's say you had a uh it, it goes by inch. Yeah. So you're looking at if if Claus charges, let's say, I mean, you'd really you have to know what you're looking for to tell the It's difference. like, uh, I don't know, maybe to 5,000? Well, I think it's more than that. Uh, I had an email from him once about a deer, and uh, it's like a 140-some inch deer, and for them to, to replicate it, I think it was like almost 6,000. It was expensive. You're looking at, uh, I could be wrong about that. It's been a couple of years, but I want to say your average two hundred inch deer probably going to cost you less than fifteen hundred dollars. Wow! To get it three D printed, but that's plastic. That's yeah. Uh, the quality is probably a little bit different than you know the yeah by claws, but it's the exact same blueprint. But it would, I mean, obviously, it's a lot more attainable to if you had a deer get messed up or stolen or something to spend. 1500 bucks than five or 10 grand. Well, if you had to scan and preserve, you would not, if you lost your buck due to fire and theft, you'd, you'd have no way to re replicate. No. Sure. No. That root plant allows you to pull that out of the file. Hey, I'd like to have this made. Yeah. That's really, so you're, all you're doing is preserving that image and then you can get stuff made off of that, which is luxury items I call. Yeah. Absolutely. T-shirts or do whatever, 2D, 3D. Hmm. But they could do it with any type of antlered animal, right? Yeah. Elk, deer, mule deer. The whole thing concept was started off mule deer. How long has it been around? Trophy scan. Anything you scan, warehousing, anything, there's one company that owns it. Hmm. So I'll outfit in Texas. I, I used to do some real estate videos and, and whatnot, and uh, there's some different softwares that I had back in the day with some 360 cameras. And I could basically, I could come through your house, set it, it scans. You make another point 10 feet away, it scans. And I could build a whole 3D model of your house. And then I could do a virtual tour of it that way. Yep. You just click from dot to dot and you, you could walk up to this table basically digitally and see everything up close. Yep. That's pretty much the same thing. There's one group of IT guys that build this. And hunting is their hobby. Mm -hmm. So anything that has to do with late LIDAR imaging is all comes from these guys. That's cool. And this is a pet project of theirs. <laughs> and it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. It's pretty hey, Yeah. Just to see it first time I seen it and be able to do it. You know, I can take those images and walk around it. How long does it take to scan one? It takes longer to prep and do the paperwork than it does to scan. Yeah. I mean... Less than two minutes. Wow. That's pretty awesome. And it's pretty high. Um, it runs off an iPad. Now, the the laser scanner that I have and take is super accurate, but the iPad that runs off of, um, this thing will throw you a score. Really? Yeah. But in order to get the most accurate score, I have to, it has to be uploaded and go to that supercomputer in Texas. Mm -hmm. There's where... They could see things that on that scan that I took here that I can't see on the scan I took here. So if you took this deer, you could set it up, 
scan it and it'll it'll give you an idea what it should score. Yeah. But if you send it to the main computer or whatever, it would give you more accurate. Yeah. Have you tried it? Oh, I, I, yeah. How close is it? Uh, on a typical 170 inch deer, on what I can read, if you had a, a five by five, it, the margin of error on this scan is five, three percent. Three percent margin of error. Now, on a 170 inch five by five, that's five inches. Yeah. To me, that's not accurate. If I can't get within a one inch of a scorer that's training me, I'd fail. Yeah. Within one inch. Now, accuracy, what I can read and what they can read off the same scan in Texas is two different things. That's very important to know. If you was running a was freaking a scoring contest and you didn't want to call somebody and score and you had this machine. A lot of big ranches in Texas are doing this. They're just using that scanner, hit the score button, and they're going off of that. Right. Okay. So um, I'm implementing to get a FYI Buckmaster score sheet put on this machine. I'm not, as a Buckmaster score. I'm not going to pimp out a Boone and Crockett score sheet for you. Sure. I understand. I don't know. Ain't going to do it. I'm, I'm not a dual scorer. I don't have anything against those guys. They have their own system. I'm a Buckmaster's guy. I'm not going to promote a Boone and Crockett score sheet for them. That makes sense. And uh, I think SCI has actually made that trophy scan an official scoring device. Really? SCI. I've never even heard of it. The trophy scan name sounds familiar, but I don't... You've heard of the classic racks? Same technology. It's just 3D image. Yeah. Classic racks won't throw a score sheet. This one will. Hmm. Yeah. What was the the old computer thing that you could put the trail cam pictures up and it would guess the score? I don't remember that. Trail cameras did that? Well, no, you could take a trail camera picture and upload it to the software and it would, it would tell you what it should score, but it was pretty far off that, on a lot of. That's any page on Facebook, right? <laughs> <It, laughs> yeah, that's right. No doubt. The, uh, uh, it's, I would bet you that most people would look at this deer or holding it like this and they would say it's 125 inch deer. Just because it's only, what was it, 12, 13 inches wide or something? 14, 6 inches? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, boom. So if somebody wants to get their door, deer scored, how do they go about contacting you and setting it up? Um, Facebook, mainly, um, mainly I should say. Facebook, I have, uh, I do have Instagram and, and stuff like that, but I mainly am on Facebook. So what do you charge to score deer? I don't charge anything. I can't, uh, and I won't. I ain't going to kick, kick a tip out of bed, but I don't charge the score. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a voluntary service. If he did, it'd be, I don't like the idea of becoming a pay-to-play thing. Um, I uh, So you really do it just because you enjoy it? Yeah, this is all free. This Cause, is a hobby. Because I see, I see you posting stuff all the time, people here and getting deer scored. And, yeah. and, uh, I just love doing it. It makes more sense if you were going to be able to make some money off of it. But well, like I said, I the guys will tip or whatever. I don't ask for it. I don't require it. Um, there is a record book entry fee, twenty five dollars per deer, but I send that to Buckmaster. Yeah, 
that's their data entry and paperwork and they've throw you a nice certificate out in the mail and that's cool the uh hmm. should have brought more deer yeah, right. <laughs> telling you yeah well we didn't have any room to actually put a mount in the truck and this thing was just sitting there on my on my little fireplace so i just grabbed it i have a Chris. couple mounts i want to bring though yeah well so would you rather score the deer on a mount yeah i know you said to get the most inches the fresher the better but uh does it really matter? No, I can score deer on the mount. That's why I have this stand back here. Nice. Um, I like I said, I can score them on the tailgate. It's a little awkward, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of times, like last week, I actually turned the guy down. I'm like, you kidding me? It's four o'clock at night, and it's twelve degrees, and going to get colder by a minute. <laughs> no, get it, get it cut. Sure. Yeah. Bring it here. If it's a nice October Halloween night, oh yeah, we do a lot. Have a good time scoring on tailgate out in the driveway. Yeah, but weather pending, you're pouring down the rain and all that. Like, I got a big barn I could pull into, but it's not heated. I don't have a heated bar, but uh, I prefer this because you, um, like when I score at big deer shows uh, throughout the state and these big box stores or whatever, it's a hustle. It, it's a mad rush. There's thirty guys waiting in line. And I don't have time to talk. I mean, it's score, move on to the next one. And I would much rather, that's why I score here. Oh, yeah. Way more fun to sit yeah. here and get the stories and, yep. yeah, hanging out. Yep, absolutely. It, it's a better way to get to know the guys. Um, that's the main reason we do it, because uh, this is like the deer check-in station that we used to miss. So, yeah, they're they're gone now. Yep. Yeah. Everybody musters over here. Do you have any, uh, you have any, Shows that you're going to go to and, and score at anytime soon? If What do you got coming up? Uh, this coming weekend, uh, we're going to Canton, Youngstown area. There's a big sportsman show up expo out there in the building. We did it last year and had, there was guys walking away. We didn't have a, we had three scores and we we're busy. The problem is we had a cramped space, two little tables and the weight, the guys got tired of weight. Right. So they actually... Some of them walked away without getting their deer score. Sure. So, yeah, Youngstown on the 3rd, be Canton Fairgrounds. And then uh, in March, we're doing uh, Vance's Outdoors in Hebron for our statewide contest. Yep. Seventh annual. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's trade show season right now. Yes, so. it is. We don't score at the Columbus Expo because that's Buckeye Big Buck Club show. That's that's their gig. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I always go to it. It's half the deer on the wall. I, I've already scored that one. I've already scored that one. I've already scored that one. Because of that no waiting thing. Yeah, not having to wait. You can score them early. So you get to beat them to the punch on that. So to qualify for the Buckeye Big Buck, it has to be a Boone and Crockett score? Yeah. They have their own system and their own scores. Some of them that are scored for a Buckeye Big Buck are also Boone and Crockett scores. They can do the hardcore system. But Buckeye Big Buck Club is Boone and Crockett. It is Boone and Crockett. Yes. And I'm not affiliated with that. (laughs) So I just score for Buckmaster. That's it. Well, very neat. Very neat. Well, Toby, I appreciate you breaking it down and explaining this to us on how to score deer. Uh, I wish we learned a lot. Yeah, definitely learned some that I didn't know about it, and hopefully everybody else does too. but yeah, we appreciate you having us up here and uh it's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Hopefully uh 
hopefully you'll come back down to Marietta. Maybe we'll get another show going on down there or something. Be fun. That would be fun. Set something up. Yeah, we could we could do it. Maybe we can get Keith back into it or something. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, this was a good show last time. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll put his information on this podcast and the Facebook page. And if you got something you want scored or scanned, uh, give him a shout. Other than that, thanks for watching, everybody. Hope you have a good day. Thanks.